one stranger I still remember that I actually will never forget uh, because he changed my life. Um, no matter, no matter how, how hard, hard I try to forget, I'll never forget him actually. So it was a guy that I was helping out. Um, I kind of sort of knew him, but he was basically a stranger. Um, but I didn't get any bad vibes off of him. He seemed like a good guy, never hit on me, never never gave me a bad feeling at all, but he needed help to get back home to get uh, to a job so he could work to get back to his uh, kids. So I'm a sucker story for, or a sucker for a kid's story, um, and I wanted to help him out. Uh, so I said, well, you know, I'm not working right now. Um, I have the time, I have the money, I have the vehicle. I have family in Texas, how about I just drive you? And so I decided to drive him. We decided to drive the, the, the trip to Texas. Um, he was driving when we got to Billings, and all of a sudden, uh, he changed. I mean, the look in his eyes was different even like he looked evil he didn't look like he didn't look like him anymore um and he started to uh hit me in the head and shoulders and uh he was trying to bash my head off the dash of the car but um i was actually in really good shape at the time because i was the lead installer for great energy solutions um so i had real good upper body i worked in addicts so i was able to stop myself from uh from him hitting my head and i'm laughing there because I was ornery and fiery, and I wasn't going to let him do whatever he was going to do easily. So every step of the way, for the two and a half days that he had me, uh, I fought him. You know, I paid for everything that I did, but at the same time, every time I pissed him off or hurt him or just one of his things, it was a victory for me. It kept me going. I'd given up, like, the second night. I'd given up pretty much. I was curled up in the passenger seat in kind of a ball because he'd been hitting me again in the back of the head and um, on the shoulders and on the back and everything. So I just kind of curled up crying, giving up. Just waiting for it to end. He said that he was going to take me up to the mountains, kick the shit out of me and kick me off the mountain. And so I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to die now. Great. But I'm thinking I'm going to take him with me. He's not going to be able to do this to anybody else. He's going to pay for what he's done to me. So I was like, okay, fine. This is going to happen. Um, hopefully I can try to do something when I get there. But then I started thinking, uh, my dad's going to have to identify my body. And that's actually what stopped me from, uh, accepting it and trying to think of how to get out of it. And see, now I'm going to end up crying. Um, but I'm not, that's okay. Uh, because I got out of it, uh, but yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't fathom the fact that my dad was going to have to identify my body because if he's going to kick the out of me, you know, what am I going to look like? Um, so I started thinking, what am I going to do? What do they do in Lifetime Movie Network movies, right? Um, so I Lifetime Movie Networked him is what I say. So I told him that I loved him. I forgave him for everything he did to me and I wouldn't abandon him. I think it's the key to him. I, I told him I wouldn't abandon him no matter how bad he hurt me. Um, at this point, we had get, gotten off the highway and we're on a gravel road. But when I said that to him, he started crying quietly and he actually slowed down the car and stopped it. He said something like, um, look what you made me do, maybe. Turned around, got back on the highway. And then the next morning, he let me out in Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, he gave me my car back at the same time and I was free. I got my life back. Two and a half days. Um, so yeah, I'll never forget him. I would have to say them a lot more leery of people, but I told myself I wasn't going to let it affect me on how I help people. I like to help people. I think people deserve a chance. I think people deserve a second chance. I'm always going to be friendly. I'm always going to be positive. I just try not to be so naive. <laughs> I'm not going to let anybody get in my car, you know, even if, if, if I've known them for, you know, a short period of time and they seem like a good person. No, we're not going to do that. Don't let anybody get in your car. The more you tell a story, by the way, the less power it has. So if you ever have anything traumatic happen to you, talk about it. You got to talk about it. Don't hold it inside. A uh, stranger I still remember is someone I met on the bus, actually. He was asking his friend what stop was coming up. He was trying to find his stop. And I overheard and responded. I was like, oh, no, it's actually the next stop. And then he asked me, he stopped. He's like, 
do you speak Spanish? And I was like, no, I actually don't. I just speak English and a little bit of French. He's like, that's super weird. I just asked that question in Spanish. And I still think about it to this day because I have no idea how I understood what he was saying, but I totally helped him find his stuff. And yeah, I still think about it. How did you respond to him? I'm curious when he said that. Yeah, he was just so shocked and I was shocked and like all my friends are, and his friends were shocked and we were just like, what is happening? Because he barely spoke English. I very much do not speak Spanish. It was, yeah, it was super crazy. <laughs> I remember this old lady, um, so I used to work at Trader Joe's in LA and she came through my line she was really sweet and, and I remember her saying like, oh, you know, I'm going to have a little charcuterie board by myself and I was just like, oh, um, where do you live? <laughs> like, I'll, I'll go hang out with you and she just started kind of giggling and I remember she got like all um, blushy and was just like, oh, no, no one wants to hang out with an old lady. And um, so we had like a really pleasant conversation and then she she left. And then like a few minutes later, she comes with a, a piece of actually, no, it wasn't even because favorite. She just told me straight up. She's like, oh, hey, by the way, I live in. And then she gives me her address. And she's like, if you want to come anytime before six, I, you know, I, I would very much appreciate it. And I just remember being like, oh my god like yes please but um i didn't have a pen and paper so i didn't remember the address so I, and then i never saw her again but i just remember feeling so terrible because i imagine she was probably waiting for me and i never showed up so um that's one stranger i remember and i think i'll remember her forever and i always think about her i don't know his name i don't think i ever got his name but uh i was walking through singleton park which is this big beautiful park in Swansea in Wales south of Wales uh, and it was at a time of day like this like dusk and the colors were it's kind of pastel pink and blue just like it is right now and uh, this guy he's in this tweed coat and he's riding his bike and he had a look on his face that was just so content and happy just to be riding his bike through a park uh, in his tweed coat and then I saw him in the in the library and he was a librarian and, he, uh, and I you know had a brief interaction with him, asked him where a reference book was, he told me. And it was just very in keeping with his kind of pleasant, content demeanor. And uh, yeah, that just stayed with me, that sense of contentment that he seemed to just exude. I think that some people just have like inherent, I don't know, goodness to them. There's like this this quality that comes through in their affectation and their interactions um, that, you know, some person a stranger that you can meet in five minutes and know that you could trust you know leaving your kids with them kind of person and he seemed to be of that ilk i was in new york city and i think i was moving in and i had like a big box of all kinds of stuff i went to like office depot or something and i was carrying this box and it was like summer and it was hot and this man on the street, he told me I was too pretty to be carrying <laughs> that box. And I was like, he's so right. <laughs> like when I'm carrying a box, I just think about him and how he wouldn't want me to be doing that. <laughs> One stranger I still remember is I was having a terrible day and I was walking down the street and really angry, but I was wearing a really cute outfit. <laughs> I felt really good, but I was sad. And this man on the corner of the street yelled out at me, like a young Catherine Hepburn. And I like think about it often. And when I'm getting ready in the morning and stuff, I'm like, oh, would this get someone to like <laughs> yell out at me? And now when I'm shopping for clothes, I'm like, would, he would Catherine Hepburn wear this? <laughs> is, is this within the aesthetic? Um, yeah, it was very influential, but in the best way possible. <laughs>
Have you ever wanted to get into acting? I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe that's another reason why it was a really exciting acknowledgement because I used to act a lot and I stopped when I moved to the city and really focused on being a student and it's something that I secretly love a lot and I like to go to plays and I sing in the shower but um, it's something that I haven't been doing in a long time and so maybe that's maybe that's another layer maybe we're, we're getting at some psychological <laughs> level to the stranger's impact on me. <laughs> One stranger I still remember is on my fitness journey I have lost almost 60 pounds and I went to the gym and I just took my shirt off to look at myself one day random dude never met him never talked to him before he just said hey man you look really good me and my friends that i work out with we struggle a lot with our body it's body dysmorphia a lot of people know about that and like you're never really satisfied with yourself you're never going to be happy with the way you look and i'm still not but like just that one person you ever you never talk to they just tell you that it just it goes a long way because it makes you feel a lot better about yourself and who you are it was the first time i felt like pretty in my life this guy came up to me and said um you have a very like curious look to your face and i had no idea what that meant but i thought that was a really cool way to like compliment mm -hmm. someone it was the first time i've been complimented other than like physical like your general physical looks because i've always wanted to be someone who asks a lot of questions and sees the world in a different way and i thought that curious was a good way to say that because I, I am a very curious person I and mean, i was cool that i portrayed that to someone else and someone picked up on that so there was this one time I was at a gymnastics meet and I was like nine years old and I was walking by this stranger and I said to him, I said, oh, I'm sorry, like I need to pass through, I'm sorry. And he looked at me, he said, what are you sorry for? And I was like, oh, well, I'm in your way, like I'm sorry for interrupting you. And he was like, you didn't do anything wrong, don't apologize. I was just taken aback probably because I was so young. And I talked to my dad about it after. I was like, that guy was being a little bit rude. And he was like, he was just teaching you a good life lesson. And it's true, like he really just was. I think it's just very important to use your words intentionally. And if we keep saying sorry for everything we do, then we lose the value of being apologetic. And so I just really value when people apologize to me and mean it now. And I do the same, vice versa. Okay, this was in Quebec City and there were some tourists beautiful day like today and a lovely family a husband wife and young child from china this is like their first trip out of china and so he came up to me can i take a photo he said and i said certainly i'll take a photo of you and your wife he said no 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 i want a photo of you and my wife so I posed, and he took a photo of me and his wife. And then I offered to take a photo of him and his family in no way. So it, it, was, his, it was like we were, I was a curiosity to him. So I don't know his name. I don't know who he was. When I was a kid, I was like walking our dogs. I remember I saw this dude. He was bald, like totally normal looking San Diego guy. And he was walking his dog. And I remember thinking, isn't it so funny how you see all these people in your life that you don't remember and then you forget them. And I have remembered that dude forever because of that thought. <laughs> Told you it wasn't a good story. It's like such a lame story. But literally I think about that all the time. Like just how you, you see all these people, you never remember them. But I remember this one bald dude walking his German shepherd by the park where I grew up. And that's my stranger. <laughs> There's this cartoon character named Uncle Ruckus on the boondocks. And I, I, I was at the Euclid trolley station down here 
and I seen this person with the little eye, and he looked just like him with the braids. That's where I knew characters is real, cause like, I just knew it was the sense of the story is make is real life. You know what I mean, it was crazy. You think it was him in real life? It had to be him. <laughs> hey, nah, cause he was mean too. He was yelling. He was yelling. I was just thinking like, wow, that's crazy. You know what I mean? So I remember the person, but not the, his name. Okay. I met him uh, hiking on the John Muir Trail in uh, the High Sierras last September. And uh, I remember him because he was very open with his heart, uh, sharing his experience of this magical place that uh, had touched my heart so and it's like the, the most beautiful thing in the world to see something that fills your heart but then you had no one to share it with and he, and he shared it with me I'll never forgetting always be glad for that Hey everyone, Thraya here. I wanted to say thank you for watching this episode. I am still selling these sweaters on my website. If you're interested, I'll link it in my description. I love you guys and I'll see you next week. Well, I thought that we would start with uh, a great video from this artist. She goes around asking people random questions and pretty much encapsulates them in a very raw form, asking them things like to talk personal with people that they've never seen. They just talk to each other through headphones. And then after their conversation, they see each other and they have these very real conversations showing humans in their most vulnerable state. And so then the question for me when seeing, hey, your most memorable stranger, which I think for everyone would be an amazing question to ask yourself, which stranger do you remember and had like just met them? Not like the first traumatic person, you know, that shaped her future in trust that has imprinted on you, kind of like the lady with the dogs. Hey, I was walking dogs and there was just this guy and I see a lot of people, but the only reason I remember him is because I was like, oh, so many strangers. It's pretty interesting. And I think it's important that all of us, every now and then, ask ourselves these questions of strangers that provide um, such things. Now here is a very cheerful slash mournful tune. Pink fluffy unicorns dancing on rainbows. Pink fluffy 
fluffy unicorns dancing on rainbows. Pink fluffy unicorns dancing on rainbows. Pink fluffy unicorns dancing on rainbows. Let's test your knowledge and see what you've learned so far. What color are the unicorns? Pink. Where are they dancing? Rainbows. Please use one word to describe the texture of their magical fur. Smile. Yeah. Federal judge giving the White House twenty-one. So that song was a prelude to what we will see. Operation Unicorn may be in place soon. The internet is rife with, oh my gosh, the queen is dead. I mean, she's been 80 since I was a kid. She's probably the longest living monarch. Well, that's not very true, but okay. But it seems that if she actually dies in Balmor, Balmoral, uh, we'll have Operation Unicorn um, put together. And that's how they bring her coffin to Buckingham Palace. So we'll see how that works out, considering she does not like Miss Bowles. And for us, uh, I don't know why we are even bothering with the royals. Let them clear up that mess. So... Just so you know, it is more than Operation, I, I believe it's going to be Operation Unicorn that's going to be executed in regards to that. So we'll see. Uh, this is how it usually happens. Uh, I know many people believe, you know, if she's in another place, then it's, uh, I think it's called London Bridge. I, I, I was very well versed on that when I was uh, working in England to know so we'll see we'll see uh we'll see how that pans out and how it will affect england or the united kingdom as one might add because as you can see the whole world you can see the whole world is literally crumbling the nation right now within the u.s is so chaotic you don't even know what thread to pull to get something done. Let's start with the simple stuff. Doctors. Doctors right now have no idea what's going on with COVID, something called long COVID. They're actually getting together and having their own green dragon taverns, trying to figure out how to deal with this because they're like, the government's not helping, meaning no one's spoon feeding them. And they're kind of like, wait a minute, what's really going on here? So there are doctors clearly having that conversation right now as we speak. And believe it or not, those conversations are called political conversations. Now they're coming out with this new approach that Biden has put out saying that, oh, it looks like we'll all be getting a COVID vaccine every year. That sounds bizarre too. Why would we be getting a COVID vaccine every year. See, these are the things that happen and they tell us. It's the strange times that we live in that they're now telling people you're going to be getting a COVID vaccine every year. And doctors literally are meeting together in secret and not. They're kind of making it known. 
because they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. They don't know how to respond to any of this. They're just like, you know, they're, um, they had like the zoom call to talk about pain and how their patients with long COVID, what the pain was like. And so these are long COVID clinics. That's what they call them with people that have, I guess, permanent damage or constantly have COVID. And there are 40 of those clinics across the nation. And they've been meeting, trying to figure out, you know, what's going on and why is this debilitating to millions of Americans? And they don't seem to understand. Is the vaccine affecting it? Is it just what it is? This looks like RADS. We don't understand. We're giving them this medication. It's not working. And so apparently the disease, as now they're calling it, is that 16 million Americans between the ages of 18 and 65, so the more able-bodied and not the so vulnerable, have long COVID and about a, I I would say, so it would be about an eighth of those, so like two to 4 million of them are out of work because of it, because they can't breathe. And they're, they're confused as to, is it because they got the vaccine? Is it because they had it and it's a residual response? They don't know. They don't understand. Now, speaking of medications, you know, in Texas, it was ruled that requiring insurances to cover prophylactic HIV medications is unconstitutional. Now, I did have this conversation with all of you in 2020 when COVID first came out and I expressed to you how they're constantly advertising, hey, take this medicine just in case you get have sex with someone with HIV. And it's like, why not just give them a condom? It doesn't make sense. But um, we talked about it in 2020 when I talked about the graphene then and I told you about um, HIV. Well, now it's coming full circle that Texas has decided to say that even though Obamacare said that you're supposed to be giving these medications, you're supposed to be covering them under uh, employer insurance policies or just in general, all insurances in Texas are supposed to cover it. It's deemed unconstitutional. Now, the um, ruling came out of district judge for the Northern District of Texas. And, uh, you know, he agrees that, yes, you know, even though he had previously ruled that Obamacare itself was unconstitutional, This decision of the United States Preventative Services Task Force, um, you know, is also an issue. And so, obviously, we have the pundits coming in saying, this ruling is shocking on every level. You know, um, it's evidence that, you know, public health and human rights, it sets back enormous progress. And now they're throwing in the homophobic thing, saying that, you know, It also compels religious employers and religious individuals who purchase health insurance to subsidize these behaviors as a condition of health insurance. So apparently only gay people get AIDS and HIV. So they're the only ones 
So it pretty much says that now religious employers, you know, don't have to uh, provide coverage to facilitate and encourage homosexual behavior, prostitution, sexual promiscuity and intravenous drug use. And it's like, wait, what? How is that even an argument? Like, how is that even an argument? So you're saying now it's giving, you know, brownie points and a right for religious people to say, hey, if you're a homosexual, use heroin, intravenous drugs, or are a prostitute or a slut, you know, our insurance isn't going to cover that. Like, I mean, how are these even conversations that are being had? It is the most insane thing I have ever heard of, yet, yes, there are people that are clearly making these claims. And that was the complaint that was filed in the spring of 2020 by attorneys who argued that the Affordable Care Act requires coverage for pre-exposure prophylaxis, the PrEP drugs that they talk about, um, uh, for the HIV virus. And so, I, you know, I, I just, I do not know how to respond to that at all. I mean, in the medical field, it's just looking really crazy right now. It is extremely crazy. Um, People don't seem to know who to trust. You know, all hospitals, their patient satisfaction surveys are at ultimate lows, that the hospitals aren't treating people correctly. Of course they're not. You made them heroes. You gave them statues. You called it a hero's act and thumped them while they were twerking, while people were allegedly dying. Why would they care about their patients if they're twerking and mocking dead people? It is, the insanity just continues. Now, you know, there's a new mental thing that's affecting the workforce, and that's called, get this, back to work blues. Are we kidding? Like, what is going on here? So now COVID not only gives you long COVID, not only, you know, do you have to get a shot every year and you're fully boosted now and it's not working. And most of the people that are boosted are getting really, really sick. Now they're telling you, well, you know, people need to ease into getting back to work because they have going back to work blues. It's just what crazy. Now, another thing is your cyber oligarchs are now entering the field of tracking diseases to save businesses millions of dollars. So, um, it is the most, I would say, 1984-ish thing I have ever heard of. So there was this pandemic um, bestseller. Uh, it's uh, Dr. Charity Dean, who was in that uh, book, um, Premonition by Michael Lewis. Anyway, she has this new $43 million, that's how much she raised, uh, company. It's a biosecurity platform where she is working um, to create a great tracking app for businesses to have their employees 
implement to track diseases that they have based on COVID. Because that will help everything, apparently, by tracking everyone. In addition, speaking of COVID, aside from having to get annual COVID boosters, uh, some scientists discovered that there are specific antibodies that um, they say could make boosters unnecessary. So apparently now they're finding that, oh, oh, human immune cells are pretty good. And oh, look at that. It's going down to tau. Tau. The Omicron strain was uh, 90% effective at neutralizing Delta. And it was the tau 2310, which is 84% effective in neutralizing the Omicron. So now they found tau. And I've talked about taus before. Maybe this is why Biden kept talking about dementia, but I digress. Let's shift gears. Let's stop talking about health and let's talk about what is going on in Washington, D.C. with this J6 trials. So Stuart Rhodes, which I spoke to, and he's a really good guy. He loves his country. He's not evil. Okay. I don't want anyone to misconstrue what he told me. He just told me who hired and who orchestrated, right? Well, anyway, he's finding that his lawyers are not representing him correctly and asked the judge to not have the trial on the 27th of September because he needs to get new attorneys because they're not good. Guess what a judge told him? The judge questioned what he was actually trying to do and refused to remove his existing lawyers from the case. Now, this should concern every single American. You have the right to representation. You have the right to decide who is going to be your lawyer. Now, A judge cannot demand that you hold on to attorneys that you are not comfortable with. How would a judge demand that he keeps the attorneys when he, the client, feels that they're not good? This is a big problem. This is a very, very big problem. Because no judge has the right to impose upon someone legal counsel that they do not feel comfortable with. Honestly, I'm shocked. Many people may not agree. Maybe many, many people would love to just see him die in the darkness. This is not fair. This is really not right. This is America. And we cannot have judges making decisions like that. These judges, you know what, guys, look how many of us there, there are. Uh, let me put it in this, in this sense. So today we participated together because I usually participate in these things on my own, usually not talking, but watching. We participated in the FOIA advisory committee with NARA. The reason is, is that we want them to see that we're watching and we want them to know that they're going to be held accountable. That's step one. And we should be doing this all the time, jumping on every single public feed and holding them accountable. Two, 
when judges are acting inappropriate, you as a citizen are allowed to file bar complaints against the judges. Why aren't all of us, you may not like Stuart Rhodes. You don't have to like him. But you have to honor the rights that he has as a citizen. And see, something that people should be doing is filing bar complaints or judicial complaints against these judges that are doing whatever they want. Because this isn't the way we operate in the United States of America. In the United States of America, you are innocent until proven guilty. And you are allowed to have proper counsel. So even if you're not involved, the news have clearly put it out that the judge denied him, and I quote, the notion that you are going to create some kind of havoc that you will, and havoc is the only appropriate word I can think of, by moving Mr. Rhodes' trial, it's not going to happen, said the U.S. District Judge Amit Mehta. And he said that um, to... Well, Rhodes actually said that to Edward Tarpley, um, and that's because Stuart Rhodes asked for a new lawyer. And the judge went on to question what Rhodes was actually trying to do and ultimately refused to remove the existing lawyers from the case. How does a judge refuse to remove existing lawyers, considering the fact that they rolled up Kelly Sorrell, who he was sleeping with, right? And they had some sort of relationship, and she was his attorney, right? They rolled her up after having conversations with those lawyers, I would feel uncomfortable with those lawyers. So why is it that this judge is allowed to say, no, you're going to keep those lawyers because I said so. That's not how it works. I would feel uncomfortable to have those as lawyers if that occurred, which means there's no, what, what is it called? Oh, do you guys remember that little tidbit I did a couple weeks ago where I was like, oh, look at this. The FBI is requesting to make attorneys criminal informants or have them as human or, you know, lures or whatever you want to call them, right? And they're asking to waive any penalties that lawyer might have as attorney-client privilege so they could give them information on the record. And the judge was like, what? No. Think about that. So his lawyers had a conversation with Kelly Sorrell about a week ago, too. She was like, yeah, I'll come and testify for Stewart. She gets arrested by the FBI because she's going to testify on his behalf. And now he's like, yo, I don't trust these lawyers. Hey, you know, there could be a judge that offered the FBI, okay, you can use attorneys as informants, and they won't get in trouble for attorney-client privilege. Do you see where I'm going with this? Your attorney-client privilege is one of the most important covenants of justice. We may have judges in D.C. that have given waivers to attorneys because the FBI asked for it. This is very important to justice. Every single person that supposedly fights for freedom should be mentioning this. And we should be complaining that we are concerned with violations of actual laws in the United States. The fact that this judge had the audacity to say, I am refusing to remove the existing lawyers is ridiculous. He has no rights, right? 
Another thing we had is that in New Mexico, a judge ordered that Coy Griffin, who's a commissioner of Otero County, who got rid of the machines, if you remember, who advocated for it. He was removed from the office for violating the 14th Amendment by participating in the January 6, 2021 Capitol riot, which the judge described as an insurrection. The judge's name is District Court Judge Francis Matthew. Everyone in New Mexico should be filing complaints about him. So he interprets it as an insurrection because he says so. The guy was there conducting his First Amendment rights. And because of that, they remove him from office because they have been successfully removing digital machines from elections. Do you see how that works? And this is the first time any court has ever officially ruled on the January 6th attack. To have this been an insurrection under the law, this judge needs to be hung by their toes because this is not acceptable for a judge on their own who has no access to any footage or any factual knowledge to make a decision like that and remove someone in disenfranchising their voters. If I was Griffin... I would be filing a lawsuit under the Voting Rights Act. I would be trying somehow, 1983, I would be throwing the kitchen sink. And I would be holding that judge accountable. See, I've said this many, many, many times before. We can deal with a corrupt legislative arm. We can deal with a corrupt executive arm. But we cannot deal with a corrupt judicial arm. And obviously, D.C. is a problem. But what we need to be focusing on is on judges like this guy, like Judge Francis Matthew of the District Court in New Mexico. He needs to be removed from the bench, removed from the bench. Now, speaking of J6, I'm going to have to tell you, working on this, taking it from the top from early 2020, when the orchestration was being put together, by federal employees, by NGOs, by private companies. I have followed every single step of it. I have been going through thousands of hours of footage. And last week, when I was meeting with certain people in regards to J-Sex, I came to the realization that either people knowingly and willingly or unwillingly and knowingly or willingly but unknowingly instigated the riot. And these are people that many of you subscribe, like, and share. And it has broken my heart completely because I realized, you know, I want to say that they were unknowingly doing this. But hours before the Capitol storming, people that represent America at its finest, supposedly. We're asking random people on the street, almost as if they were applauding and inciting, hey, are you going to storm the Capitol if they decide to not, you know, send back the electors? These are people that were supposed to be in our movement. And when I say ours, it's both left and right that support truth and honesty. And so then it brings me into question, could have these people been working 
with those high-level SESs that helped orchestrate this? And that, for me, is a question that I cannot answer. And people that are very smart, that have been attorney generals in the past and prosecutors, also came to the same conclusion as myself. And that was very disheartening. Very disheartening. So as J6 plows along, I wanted to figure out, is the shaman really in jail? Or are they just saying it? It just seems a little bit, and, and, and I'll explain why later. Because the examination of evidence, you know that Q shaman guy? I'll tell you what, he used to be the climate shaman for the Democrats as well. And it seems that there may be paperwork for a gig. So I ask of you, how many of these people are actually in jail and how many of them are not? There was one gentleman that was arrested. I've read his report. I've looked at all the footage. And I found footage of him throwing a flashbang grenade. Very clear. Very clear. That was nowhere on the report from the FBI, nowhere on the indictment documents, and his lawyer was El Chapo's lawyer. Which also brings me to question just how elaborate this whole scheme was. And so for me, I am very, very concerned as to what is going on in D.C., considering that today I see that a judge is disallowing an American citizen from deciding who is their counsel. It's unacceptable. And it's got to stop. In the meantime, we have the media already laying out the narrative of how horrific America's future will be if, and I quote, Trumpers win. This was an article that was written today by Brian Karem uh, of Salon. Obviously, it's Salon, like seriously. But he says, for those that are pondering on how to use their vote this fall, it's time to take a look at what kind of future we will face should those who call themselves Trump patriots succeed, either through the ballot box, violence, or both. I've seen one of those possible futures for the United States, and I can only hope it's not the future of the United States. And I want you guys to understand clearly that the only way that we take back our nation is by participating. And not only participating, but demanding change. Not asking nicely. And yes, so we're going to vote on the machines? And you think your vote will count? You think that will change something? That will not change a thing. We cannot use machines to count the ballots or be used to cast a ballot because then we lose. Again, how do you know this is what they're terrified of? Every single one of you can organize within your state groups to demand at a county level 
that you do not consent. This is a very powerful thing. You don't have to go to court. You tell them, I do not consent to have any machines involved in my elections. You have that right as a taxpayer of your county. And if you and a bunch of your friends go down there and tell them, put it in writing, I do not consent. Put it on your agenda, I do not consent. I do not consent. People can actually do this, not sit around and look at memes and wait for someone to come in and rescue them. You have a bigger voice than anybody right now. You, the people, have a bigger voice than anybody right now. And instead of focusing on what you can change, you're looking at shit that you can't. You're looking at, oh, look, is this person dead? Oh, let's check out what Beyonce is wearing. Oh, my gosh, this. Oh, my gosh, Podesta. But that's what was going to come back anyway. This whole UN thing is his idea, his baby from day one. Why don't you focus on something that can actually change all of that? Why don't you actually get to work? This is what people should be doing. You can go down to your county and say, who can I? Hey, county people, here you go. Director of county elections, here we go. I do not consent Here's my address. Here's my name. Put that on file. I do not consent. I do not want these machines touching my ballot. You can't hack paper. You cannot provide me 100%, you know, accuracy that, and with your hand over fire, that none of this can be hacked. So we should not be using them. I do not consent. I do not consent. That is all you have to do now. You do not consent. Everything. And while people sit there, well, this doesn't work. And we've been to court and it doesn't work. So you're making record. Keep doing it. Everything that has happened so far is because of people that have actually done something. Because of people actually doing something. Not throwing affidavits at people, but actually telling them, I don't consent. Where can I sign to make a formal complaint? My director of county, you know, director of my county for elections, director of elections for my county, where I can put a statement and as a public comment that I do not consent. Not send them a letter, you know, you can send them an email, that's documented. Go there and say, I want to make an official statement to you. I do not consent. That is one of the strongest words that a citizen of the United States can put together and state to any elected official, I do not consent. I do not consent. Everything happens in the time that it should. And it's always at the press that we get things done. I do not consent. I do not consent. That's it. I do not consent. They tell you, well, you know, well, we already did. I don't care. I'm telling you, I do not consent. You are forcing me to use a system that I do not consent with. This is very important for the future. This is how you make record. This is how you get things done. I do not consent. I can't express it in any more stronger fashion or words Once you say those magic words, because it has to be magic words, things magically happen. Almost like the way 
The whole nation is losing their mind on people sending them spoilation letters. Oh, what is this? I mean, I even had a prosecutor contact my attorney, and I'm actually in litigation, asking him, her, she sent this letter off and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And how did he say it? Hold on. The purported notice on hold is deficient on numerous aspects. Listen, boy. Listen, Mr. Where is he from? What county? Zachary West. Oh, and Zachary West. So he's he's got three names. Perfect. Perfect asset. From Athens County Prosecutor's Office. He's like, you know, she's never, um, your board has potentially standing to bring a suit. Oh, your client would potentially have the standing to bring a suit and how the board has harmed someone who has never resided or run for office in Athens. They're panicking. But they're too dumb to understand what that letter is. They are panicking that they're contacting my attorney. And he's like, look, that lawsuit hasn't been filed yet. I sent them letters saying, I'm going to file a suit. Hold on to that shit. I want to know everything. Now they're panicking. We didn't do anything. We didn't run for office. We're just doing our job. No, 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 no. Hold on to that stuff. Because this is important. This is very important. Again, the panic that they're showing nationwide that people are, you know, not doing things the way they should is a very, very, very big deal. One moment, please. Sorry about that. Had to turn off my phone. So everyone across the nation, all the counties that have gotten any communications from you have lost their mind, very upset that you didn't just ask for, you know, ballots and stuff. You asked them for names. You asked them for DHS contracts. You asked to expose the fact that our elections are federalized. You asked to show the memorandums of agreements that they have in place with agencies that you don't even know exist that are running on your elections. You asked them for information that tells them that you know. I mean, why else would a prosecutor be like all panicky and stuff? Like, we didn't run for office. We're just going to follow the law. And it's like, just because you explained it to the guy that didn't direct it to you, it doesn't mean anything. Your client's letter fails to provide any controlling or even persuasive authority. My authority is I'm a citizen, Mr. Athens prosecutor. And I guess you're not going to be practicing after I file my lawsuit because if you do destroy it and you haven't read the letter, well, then you're going to be, uh, you're going to have the problem because if you destroy evidence, precedent says that I'm right and you're wrong. So if you can't prove that I'm wrong because you destroyed it, then guess what? My word counts not yours. And that's the way it works in law. When you tell someone you better hold on to it and they tell you, well, nah, nah, nah. okay, fine. Then you go to court and you're like, look, I sent them this. I filed the case. I sent them this letter. They ignored me. And they're like, oh, we're just going to follow whatever the secretary of state says. Don't worry. I'm going to take care of him. That's for my state. I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to drag the truth out into the light. I'm going to show the world how the most evil business in the world, the World Economic Forum, is his actual God. Now, on that note, I'm going to have to hop over to Rumble because on YouTube, I can't flash any videos or else, you know, I'll get the axe. So come on over to Rumble where you can see this evil business. Now, let's get going with that. Let's show the world, right, this little video here, very nicely made, 
showing you just how evil the World Economic Forum really is. It's a great piece. Here we go. Global network of elitists, the super rich, and they have a world agenda which they themselves announced and said that their goal is that we all own nothing and be happy about it. In this video, I'm going to be talking about that. This is something that many people have talked about and are unsure about. But the reason I'm talking about this today is because I recently attempted to become a member of the World Economic Forum. It costs half a million pounds a year to join the network. And guess what? I've got half a million pounds. So I reached out to them and I said, hey, I've got half a million pounds. I want to be a member of your network. And they would not have me as a member. Denied. Which made me think, why not? So not only do you have to be really stinking rich, I've never felt so poor. When I applied to be a member of the World Economic Forum, which literally have got people, they're, they're all associated with all the politicians and Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, all these folks are all in this network. And I'm like, well, I'm rich now. I want to join. I want to help save the planet. I want to make the world a better place, which is what you guys all want. That's what the, the, the whole thing is about. Let me join. And they said, they gave me a little checklist. And they said, what is your net worth? Is it between a million and a billion? Is it between a billion and 10 billion? Is it between 10 billion and 100 billion? I was like, damn, I'm right at the bottom of the food chain. But listen, I can still afford your 500,000 pound a year membership. And I am a multi-millionaire. My net worth's 20 million at least. So come on, let me in. And they didn't even respond. And I've been trying to become a member and they haven't responded. So I did some investigation into who they are and what their agenda is. And the results were shocking. And I think it's almost verging on evil. So I'm going to talk about my factual findings and then let you decide. When the World Economic Forum said that their agenda is that we will own nothing and we will be happy, the only optimistic way to look at this is that everything will become subscription-based and we will not need to own things, and that is why we will be happy about it. For example, I don't own any DVDs anymore. I don't own CDs. I don't own things like that because it's now not essential because the world has moved on with its agenda. Now we have subscriptions such as Netflix, such as Spotify. There also definitely seems to be an agenda that instead of owning houses that we now rent, again, our whole life is rented and leased on a subscription basis. Our cars, we're being incentivized to use public transport and to go electric and to lease cars. So the world is moving away from owning what you have and leasing and renting what you have. Now, while that may not sound like a bad thing, and it's okay to lease everything, it's the way of the world, the scary part of that is that if everything is leased by these big tech companies, what happens if they don't like us? What happens if we step out of line and they decide to cancel us on a individual level like they did with the Russians where they just said, no more Netflix. They don't have DVDs. If they cut off the supply of what you're leasing, what it does is it gives them complete control and complete power. And most of these people in these groups are billionaires or multi-billionaires. And it almost seems to me like when money is no object anymore, the next high is world power and control and domination. That's a scary thought. Interesting that Prince Charles is a member. The Chinese president is a member. The banks are a member. 
There's massive world banks that are members of the World Economic Forum, and they're telling us to stop buying houses, to not own things. They're decentivizing the, the ability to even own a property. Yet, what are they doing? What are the banks doing? Well, we know that the ba Lloyds Bank right now in the UK, BlackRock, what are they all doing? They're buying houses en masse and then they are renting them out to us. So when they say own nothing and be happy, really what I think they're saying is you will own nothing and be happy and we will own everything and be even happier. They're calling this the great reset and people are celebrating the great reset because they're broke, because they don't own things. And they're saying, yeah, let's just let the government and the rich just reset everything. And the great reset sounds like a good idea. I'm sorry, but to me, the great reset sounds like a horrible idea. In fact, anything that's ever started with the great in history has always ended in destruction. The great depression, the great leap forward, the great recession, the great war, whenever anything starts with the great and as an, a world agenda behind it, it has always ended in destruction and devastation for the general public. But what about all the celebrities though that are endorsing it? What about all the big A-list celebrities that are standing behind the movement and saying, yes, this is wonderful, this is going to help the world? Well, you know what? Whenever the celebrities are all endorsing anything at the same time, you know what I generally do? Run. And the way that we are evolved to live becomes more and more distant and remote. We don't live as tribes. We're not in control of our own resources. The idea that we will own nothing and we will be happy sounds like a terrifying, not Orwellian, but sort of Huxleyan idea that we will be somered into compliance, drugged by a sort of a magical substance in our water, into dumb compliance with the objectives of the powerful while we live as kind of human drones. The World Economic Forum currently has 3,000 paying members. And with membership costing around £500,000, the question is, where does that money go? And nobody knows where that money goes. And the truth is, it's probably to fund the government and the media. Have you ever noticed how the media and the government all seem to sing off the same song sheet and agree at the same time with the same things? And usually the agenda is to bash the rich and tell you, don't try and build a business. Don't worry. We'll look after you. The agenda is to weaken men and break down families. And if you step out of line or say something they don't like, they will literally de-platform you. You can just suddenly overnight be vanished off of Instagram, off of YouTube, off of everywhere and not have a voice anymore. No debate, no discussion, just cancelled, gone. Interesting. And I'm having to be extremely careful about what I say on this video. This video risks being deplatformed. Maybe I'll end up suddenly off of YouTube as well. But I just couldn't bring myself to not speak, at least based off of the research that I've done, and share my opinions on this matter. They train world leaders via their Young Global Leader program. Even Putin was trained by them. The World Economic Forum recently said that capitalism needs a dose of Marxism. No, capitalism does not need a dose of Marxism. Marxism has devastated everything it's ever touched. Just look back at history. Wake up. And the irony is so shocking. The fact that the royal family are members of the World Economic Forum and then the World Economic Forum are telling us to own nothing when they literally own so much. Can we not see the irony?
So what are the World Economic Forum actually doing apart from trying to get us used to the idea of owning nothing? What are they doing with their billions of pounds that they are raising through the World Economic Forum where there's no trace of where the membership money actually goes? Well, it would appear to me that what they're doing is they are controlling the media so that people don't think for themselves anymore. You will vote how they want you to vote. They are trying to gain complete control of everything and everybody and stripping financial literacy from people keeping them dumb so they are slaves and workers what should they be doing well in my opinion i'm all for the idea of a world economic forum i'm all for an idea of wealthy people getting together how to make the world a better place and change the planet but what they should be doing is they should be bringing financial literacy into schools they should be championing and incentivizing businesses giving to charity they should stop taxing the hell out of small struggling businesses Relying on the government for you to be looked after always ends in poverty and devastation. We need to be relying on ourselves and being entrepreneurially minded and building businesses. And even though they're trying to discourage us buying properties with tax incentives to not, with legislation, with tenant eviction bans, scrapping Section 21. You know what I think? I think that now is the time to step forward and start owning as much land as we freaking possibly can right now while we have the opportunity to buy land because it's very difficult for them to take it off us. That's why they're trying to decourage us from doing it in the first instance. So my advice is to buy as much land and property as you possibly can and to build wealth in such a way that's sustainable and adaptable right now in 2022. And I don't want to bring a message of negativity and doom to you right now through YouTube. So the question is, what should you do as an independent person, as an entrepreneur? How are some of the ways that you can react to and deal with this world plan to stop this happening? Because that is exactly what we will do. Well, firstly, I would say stop blindly following celebrities' opinions because they are often paid by these people to share their opinions. Have critical thinking from the media and do not be blinded as a sheep. Do not be sold the lies of the government about looking after you financially. It is a trap. Become financially independent and share the message far and wide for all to see. Now, I have a saying that says, if you can change it, change it. And if you can't, shut up. And that's why I've resisted putting out a video like this for so long. So I just want to share three things that I am doing to actively help with the situation and the economy. Firstly is I am bringing financial education to people so that they do not have to rely on jobs. I'm bringing financial literacy to schools by giving my time voluntary to go out and to speak in schools and to teach kids how to be financially literate, to teach kids how to understand the difference between good debt and bad debt assets and liabilities, passive income and active income. I'm building schools across other parts of the world. We just built a school in Uganda and the government have agreed that because we paid for the building that we can have a say in the school curriculum so that the kids can be financially literate. And I am speaking truth in spite of fear. So this video may well get banned. So share the heck out of it. Get educated and get buying land and properties now so that later on you are not relying on these psychopath elites to pay your rent. And so much truth in one packet, isn't it? Well, this is why I threw my hat in the race. The only reason I threw my hat in the race Because Jobs Ohio that worked with unemployment and capital investments, which was created by Frank LaRose, who is currently the Secretary of State of Ohio, is a World Economic Forum partner. Look at the year 
this private nonprofit was created, 2011, whose idea was to create all those nonprofits that are across the nation, crept into your state through legislation. This company created in 2011 by the Ohio State Legislature. We should be asking Jim Jordan about that because they're all great people. But when this happens, that's a big deal. When that happens, that's a big deal. Now, many of you might be like, well, that's it. You know, we still have California and New York. Remember, as goes Ohio, so does the nation. 2011, this was created. This is why I threw my hat in the race because no one was going to step up. In fact, a guy that was part of the legislature was running, pretending, oh, look, I have a great name. My name is John Adams. No. You have done enough. And this is the problem that we have, that people are not paying attention. Now, while many think that, you know, things are changing. Oh, yes, they are. Yes, they are. And this is where the bells come in. And this is where it's going to start to get really rough. Really, really, really rough. And I'm really glad you guys have had your meetings offline. Make sure you have a set schedule. Do it, my dear. It's all right. You may, you may all, all come out and thank her. Come out, come out, wherever you are. And meet the young ladies who fell from a star. She fell from the sky, she fell very far. And the Kansas, she says, is the name of the star. Kansas, she says, is the name of the star. She brings you good news, or haven't you heard? When she fell out of Kansas, a miracle occurred. It really was no miracle. What happened was just this. The wind began to switch, the house to pitch, and suddenly the hinges started to unhitch. Just then, the witch, to satisfy an itch, went flying on her broomstick, thumbing for a hitch. And oh, what happened then was rich. The house began to pitch, and the kitchen took a stitch. It landed on the wicked witch in the middle of a ditch. Whoa! So not a healthy situation for the wicked witch. The house began to pitch, and the kitchen took a stitch. It landed on the wicked witch in the middle of a ditch. Whoa! So not a healthy situation for the wicked witch. Who began to switch, and was reduced to just a stitch. joyous news be spread, the wicked old witch at last is dead.
as mayor of the Munster City, in the county of the land of Oz, I welcome you most regally. But we've got to verify it legally. To see, to see if she, if she is morally, ethically, spiritually, physically, positively, absolutely, undeniably, undeniably dead. What comes after that? Well, that's where the long road begins. It's all been laid out before. And the sea made rather a bad enemy of the wicked witch of the West. The sooner you get out of Oz altogether, the safer you sleep, my dear. Oh, I'd give anything to get out of Oz altogether. But which is the way back to Kansas? I can't go the way I came. No, that's true. The only person who might know would be the great and wonderful Wizard of Oz himself. Wizard of Oz? Is he good or is he wicked? Oh, very good, but very mysterious. He lives in the Emerald City, and that's a long journey from here. Did you bring your broomstick with you? No, I'm afraid I didn't. Well, then you'll have to walk. The Munchkins will see you safely to the border of Munchkinland. And remember, never let those ruby slippers off your feet for a moment, or you will be at the mercy of the Wicked Witch of the West. But how do I start for Emerald City? It's always best to start at the beginning, and all you do is follow the yellow brick road. But what happens if I just follow the yellow brick road? My, people come and go so quickly here. <laughs> follow the yellow brick road. 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 Follow, 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 follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick, follow the yellow brick, follow the yellow brick road. You ought to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. You find he is a wizard of Oz, if ever a wizard of Oz. If ever a wizard of Oz, the wizard of Oz is one because, 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 because of the wonderful things he does. You ought to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. That was a history lesson. Follow the yellow brick road made almost to look like gold, almost like follow the money. And while many people say that, oh, they're red shoes, we all know why they're red. Red is sin, decadence, right? And that is what is eye-catching. But red today in 2022 also symbolizes something else. Keep that in mind and let that idea percolate. Now, before we get into other news, I think we should take a very, very short break with a musical interlude from, oh, a while ago. You know, uh, <laughs> that, I guess, you know, maybe we should do a little bit of Van Halen like that live. Let's go. So 
Love me some judgment day. <laughs> Closer than you think. So the news are that she's finally dead at 96. <laughs> I thought she was 80 30 years ago. You know, it's 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 so it's so bad. Well, let's focus on what is going on here. We have Steve Bannon, which I haven't heard from, by the way, and I'm praying for him, who's going through things, and that's okay. You know. Even this whole thing, many of you might have whatever opinions you have, but Steve is not a stupid man and he had no need for that money. He had his own money, but charging him with money laundering in the border wall fundraising case is horrific. If anything, they should have learned from what happened to me. I didn't even fundraise and they were saying I was fundraising. They find any which way to come at you, right? And remember... They were disputing $300 that were mine. Here, they're disputing money from other people. And so they have, have them wrapped up in a bow. And so uh, even though he was pardoned, they created a new conviction to come at him. And they're just persecuting people continuously. And it is very important that all of us stick together in this time. And we see through the rubbish that they put forward. Because they can indict anything, a ham sandwich, as I always say. They can indict a ham sandwich. But they are causing so much havoc to the people. It is very important that we stick together. Steve had no need for that money. It's just terrible. It's extremely terrible. What is happening and what is going on? Again, they should have learned from what happened to me. (laughs) You dare raise that head. That lawnmower is coming to take it off. You just have to have a lot of... Heads to evade their death, I guess. We have to be binding together. This is what is very, very important. Very important. We have to understand that the things the media puts out is not always true. This is why I detest people like Brian Cates and Tracy Beans. Because they only use the media to make arguments because of money. Your intentions, guys, your McCainers. Tracy Beans was a McCainer. Brian Cates, McCainers. No one's paying attention that they all created this facade. No one is paying attention. The people closest to the president that felt, oh, he didn't help me enough. Here's what I have to say. Fuck you. You should have had big boy pants on. You should have stood up. What are you doing now? Pandering to the crowd asking for what? Unity now after two years of trying to sequester hard earned American dollars for your benefit because I lost everything. So did I. I lost my dignity. 
I was trashed, and yet I still stood up. I lost everything, and yet here you are, amplifying. It makes me sick. And not only that, these well-intended, I would say, comments of, oh, you know, Trump said, what was it? Biden, when he was like all upset, you know, the way he like stood behind the red background, they used the Hitlerism. Stop. You should have used the 1984. Hitler just makes you look stupid because that's already been associated with everything Trump. This is purposely done because I don't think that all of those people are stupid. And then you had Jack Posobiec come out, oh, when he was saying Kali Kali, you know, like the Hindu goddess of death or whatever, that he was chanting that. So everyone, you know, emulated that whole, you know, Indiana Jones thing, whatever. That was stupid, too, because this is how you get a whole group of people chanting for evil spirits or whatever. And I'm not saying, yeah, you know, no, torso cookies. No, it's about the frequency. You should have kept it to facts. This is 1984. You are living through it. This is the Wizard of Oz. And let's hope that Dorothy can get there with her sidekicks. Because this is looking really, really bad right now. Really bad. So people need to get their stuff together, put their egos in their pocket, and start working together. And start standing up for what's correct, what's accurate, and what makes America. I'm tired of the pandering. I'm tired of the half, you know, conversations. I'm tired of people not fighting. You know, yesterday in my campaign event, I was really tired, right? I got home at like 1 a.m. yesterday. I, I slept. I woke up at 6. I have things to do, calls to make, work to get done. I have to go get my kid from school. I also have a house. I have to cook. I have to pick things up. I have pets, right? I'm still just me doing everything and running around trying to figure out what bill I have to pay. (laughs) What says, pay me now, you know? And then I went to the campaign and I felt flat. But one thing I saw was a bunch of people that weekly meet together in prayer to figure out what they're going to do. And that gave me so much hope because at that point I told them, guys, you know, I have my written mandamus. LaRose responded with denials. That's the only, you know, Yost, don't hang your hat on that man, Dave. Don't hang it. So I have the written mandamus. I'm struggling to ensure that the argument that's crafted for the federal suit is perfect for the TRO because this TRO is not just for Ohio. It's not about me. It's about the people. And we need to make people aware of we've had the power all along. That's what I'm telling you. I'm behind this curtain and I'm telling you, you are the one that have the power all along. You can just fast forward to the end. My favorite color is green. It is exactly that. All you need to do is realize that right now we are entering into strange places uncharted waters where they want to flip the switch and take everything you have so that you bend the knee. And while many say they can prep 
Can you really? The only person that can protect you is God. And he will help you through the people around you. I mean, gosh, I've been carried so far. And I'm not even worthy. I'm not even worthy. I believe I'm not worthy. Just like the wizard didn't. Every single one of you right now that are out there putting yourself out there, filing letters, filing complaints, filing lawsuits, I am so incredibly proud because we need that. You're not just sitting there complaining and going through content. And that's what's important. I'll leave you with this. The news right now are insane. But one thing they're doing is putting truth. Headline. Cloudflare can cancel services to terrible websites like Kiwi Farms, but should it? Do you remember when people were being banned? These cyber oligarchs are your World Economic Forum. They are your new overlords. And it's about time we step off that hamster wheel. It is very, very important. Very important. I want you guys to look into the dormant commerce clause, publishers, the internet, and tort law. I believe those of you that like to read will find that quite fascinating and interesting. Now we have 10 days, 10 days, and all the decisions will be made. And you're not part of them. So that's what's important. This is Operation Unicorn because the queen passed away in Scotland where everyone was with her. Just so you know, unicorn. Think about that word for a second. Think about how many times it's appeared. And think about how, how crucial these 10 days are. And what's fascinating is that the President of the United States will be speaking to us live on Constitution Day, the day before the 10 days are up. And that's very important. I believe that'll be one of his most important addresses ever given to the United States of America on the 17th of September. And I'm hoping that I don't have to be out of state because it is planned that between the 15th and 19th, I was going to be out of the state of Ohio, aiming to see how I can alter that and be here. We'll see. Please pray and stay vigilant on focusing on what is important because it's going down and I'll show you how. I'll show you this so you get a sneak peek into it. Days to turn over emails from officials, including Dr. Tony Fauci and, and Press, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre that were sent to social media companies. It's all part of a lawsuit filed by attorneys general of Missouri and Louisiana accusing the administration of colluding with big technology companies to censor information on Hunter Biden's laptop, COVID-19, free speech on elections, you name it, they censored it. The White House now dodging our questions on the judge's order. Listen. I can't comment on any specifically ongoing uh, litigation. And so, again, I'd refer you, we would refer you to Department of Justice. A couple of things that I would say on just as a general matter on this, uh, as we've said over and over again since the beginning of the administration in our battle against COVID-19, it has been critical for the American people to have access to factual, accurate, 
accurate science-based information on information. What about if those communications are still happening? Are there frequent contacts between the administration and social media companies? So, so I'll say this, you know, as, as we have said before, there has been ongoing work uh, dating to the Trump administration to provide accurate COVID information where folks get their news. Joining the conversation all morning long, Fox and Friends first co-host Todd Pyro and Bell Point chief strategist, host of the Money Runner podcast, David Nelson. Gentlemen, what a pleasure to spend the morning with you. Todd, you're a, you're a, a lawyer first. A, also, your reaction to this ruling by this judge that the White House is going to, the administration is going to have to hand over any relevant communications. There's two ways to look at this. One, there's the legal. I think this was a long time coming, and it is so essential because the number one argument you always hear from the left when it comes to social media censorship is that, oh, they're private companies. The First Amendment doesn't apply. They can do whatever they want. And while that is 100% true, that does not attach when the government is involved. The government is taking a step to actively censor. And that's where that Section 230 immunity issue comes in. And so I think this was an important first step politically. I think Republicans, if and when they take over the House coming up in November, they need to take this across the finish line, keep their foot on the necks of this, and make sure that these social media companies do do what they need to do. If they want to, if they want to be completely private, go for it. But the moment you start interacting with the government and doing the government's bidding, you lose that Section 230 immunity. And yes, at that point, the First Amendment and free speech does apply. And, and we know, and you make such a terrific point, Todd, about the First Amendment. We also know, and this is separate from the attorneys general uh, suing over this matter. Um, from Louisiana and uh, Louisiana and Missouri. So it's Eric Schmidt and Jeff Landry. But we also know from David, a lawsuit involving Alex Berenson, the writer again, um, involving Twitter, that the, there's evidence that Biden officials wanted Twitter to ban Alex Berenson. And he's back on the well, was, was put back on the platform. But again, that is a violation of the First Amendment. If Berenson was kicked off that site at the urging of the White House, certainly not the only one that was kicked off. Uh, I think a lot of Americans understand what, what's going on. It's been a very, very heavy hand. There was a time probably 12 to 18 months ago. If you even questioned some of the advice coming from from the medical community, you were banned, canceled, uh, thrown off the platform and possibly even even lost your job. And, you know, I can't speak to the legal point, but on the legal front, Section 230, that's going to be very, very important for these companies. A large company like Google, uh, certainly Facebook comes into line. We all saw the interview with, uh, with with Mark Zuckerberg. Are we really surprised? You know, the FBI comes to you and says, uh, we want you to do something about this. There's credible, uh, there's a credible threat. Of course, he's going to act. It's not his fault. It's, it's, it's certainly government's fault. The two attorneys general refer to this as the um, censorship enterprise, and they um, have written under the First Amendment, the federal government should have no role in policing private speech or picking winners and losers in the marketplace of ideas. And indeed, the question and Todd, I'm going to end with you on this. The question is, how much misinformation was peddled by administration officials by their heavy hand on social media companies? Because we know what they 
starting with Tony Fauci at the beginning of the pandemic, you don't need to wear a mask. Yeah, I mean, Republicans weren't going into these social media companies and saying you can't do this or you must do this. Obviously, the messaging was strictly on the left. It was strictly Democratic left messaging. And so you got their sense of the way things are. And implicit in that, Dagan, was some misinformation, if you want to call that. And so to your point, we've gotten this this sort of skewed view of reality where now you're starting to see doctors coming out and saying, I told you back three years ago that X, Y, Z was the case. You canceled me. I lost my medical license in some aspects, in some circumstances. But, you know, it turns out I was right. And, And the fact that that happened in the United States of America is chilling. And that's why, Dagan, I think that this ruling or this request by this judge is so, so crucial. This could be a first step to getting to the bottom of what is censorship on the part of the United States government. It can't happen in our country and it needs Mm -hmm. to stop. And when it comes to Hunter Biden's laptop and the reporting by the New York Post that was censored by Twitter and Facebook, it gets the root of potential election meddling. If it was 100%. If it was um, coming out of Democrats, we're just getting started this morning. So in other words, things are happening. Big things are happening. Very big things are happening. And so just keep that in mind. Every single time you think, oh, we're losing. That's just an illusion. We're winning big time. And when people find out just how big, it's going to be super fun. But let me leave you with this. I've always said this is the same script over and over again. Do you know what happened to King Charles I? Because this will be a Charles King. He was executed for treason. Remember that. He was executed for treason.